0: Michael could sing if he didn't have a broken jaw. (laughs) Our scripture lesson this morning is the last of a series we've been having with the 118th Psalm. I'm going to share with you this morning verses 22 and 23. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Pray with me for a moment. Heavenly Father, we pray that your word would speak to us loudly. Oh God, help us to hear you clear out some of those cobwebs, Lord, of the chatter of the world, all the busyness that is in our life, and let us just take a moment and sit at your feet. And listen to what you're trying to teach us as to how we can live in this world in your abundance, in your victory, in your blessing. Oh Lord, may your Holy Spirit convince us of the truth of your word. And of its application to our very life, convict us, Lord, where we don't pay attention and where we don't follow. And Lord, transform us. We can't really change ourselves, Lord, but you can change us. Transform us, Lord, just a little bit more into the image in which we were created into your image thank you jesus for this time we can spend with you in your name we pray amen you know for the last three weeks we've been in psalm 118 the very center chapter of the bible We've been focusing on what it means to be a God-centered person, to live a God-centered life, to be centered in His presence every day in as every way we can, to to find out how we can receive from God peace, confidence, joy no matter what's going on around us. And you and I well know, a lot that goes on around us does not produce much joy or peace or confidence. When, whenever you meet a person who is, who is centered, who, who seems to live in the calm assurance that they are secure in the hands of God, you sometimes think, well, that person, that person must have an easy life. An easy life. Look how happy he is or look how relaxed she is. I bet they don't have a problem in the world. In reality, most often nothing could be further from the truth. Because no one, by their own perception, has an easy life. Let me ask you, is your life an easy life? (laughs) Hardly. We might look at someone else's circumstances and think, well, they've got it pretty good. But typically, they don't see it that way. They see all the challenges, the obstacles, the pain, the hurt, the confusion that we don't see. Even those who do have a relatively easy life are not exempt from the stress are not exempt from all the problems and situations that crash in on them in this world in fact some of the most stressed out people in the (laughs) that i know are people who have been very blessed in life who seem to have all the the good things going their way Being, being a centered person is not determined by how many or how few problems we have. It's determined by our proximity to the presence of God. If you're right in the middle of where God wants you to be, and if you're thinking the way God wants you to think, then you will experience the type of centeredness that that this psalm is talking about, and that I'm talking about. That peace, that peace in the midst of turmoil. That the New Testament calls peace, without understanding. That that hope in the midst of uncertainty. Confidence, in the midst of a setback. As we looked at David and we've reflected on his words in this psalm, some key truths have emerged. They pop out very very obviously. That, that, Tell us how David kept centered in God no matter what. And we all know about his life. It wasn't a perfect life by any means. And the first, the first key truth, that, that first anchor that we talked about was to believe and know in your heart that God is for you. God is for you. These are the exact words that David used in Psalm 18:6. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. I will not fear. Or as Paul said in the book of Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for you. That means that you can call upon in times of distress. You can call upon in times of joy. You can count on Him to be there for you, to help you. You can count on Him when you can't count on anyone else that's good news in fact he is so for you and and me that even when we're wrong even when we're obviously at fault even when we're in sin even when we've made a mess of things he will not give up on us he will not give up on us he will correct us like a father corrects his child to get us back where we need to be why because he loves us he loves us you know the second anchor then that David picked up and lifted up that kept him centered in God was his belief that God was in control of everything God was in control God was sovereign your situation may be totally chaotic But God is in control. Remember verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. He made it. He owns it. He knows how to handle everything that comes in this day. Everything that comes your way. He he understands. (laughs) That's why we, we go on and complete that verse by saying, Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Because we believe that God is in control. Today, I want us to look at the third anchor, the third anchor that kept David David centered in God's presence, and that is knowing that God has a plan, a purpose, a future for us, a future for everything that's around us, for you, for me, for our church. David used a phrase in Psalm eighteen that Jesus later made reference to, and and that Peter quoted in his first letter, applying David's words specifically to Jesus. In verse twenty-two, he said, "The, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone." When Jesus came into this world, he was rejected by the regi- religious leaders. He was condemned by the political leaders. He was put to death on a cross. His enemies thought that it was over, that He was completely out of the picture. They would never have to deal with Him or His followers again. But they were wrong. They were very wrong. Because this man that they nailed to the cross on the Friday before Passover almost 2,000 years ago did not disappear like they thought He would. Oh, He was dead. He was dead as dead could be. They put him in a tomb on Friday, but on the third day, on that Sunday morning, he rose again out of that tomb. The Spirit of God entered that grave and gave gave breath into his body, and the blood started flowing and his heart started beating, his lungs filled with air, and, and this man walked out of that tomb. He was alive again. But that was not all there was to it. Because now this ragtag band of believers, and believe me, when you read about those followers of Jesus, they were pretty ragtag. Those same ones who had deserted him after his arrest were suddenly emboldened to preach and proclaim about this man that they knew. They were emboldened to, to imitate, to follow his lifestyle. And a whole new movement was started in His name. And that movement is the church, His church, and it's built on Him. It's built on who He was and what He said and what He did. He is the foundation. He indeed is the cornerstone. He who has been rejected and ridiculed and beaten and mocked, killed, He who had been cast aside by all the the powers that be is just another religious nut. He became the cornerstone of literally a whole new world. That's how God does things. That's how God does things. That's why, why Peter took David's words and applied them to Jesus. Because he's the greatest example bar none of God having a purpose and a plan, and seeing that plan through, even when it doesn't appear as we would think it should. When things don't look so good at the beginning, God has a plan, and God has a purpose, and they'll look different in the end. You see, that which appears to signify failure. And defeat in our life can actually become the foundation of a new life. Just as Jesus did. That major mess that that we got ourselves into. That difficult time that we came through. Can become a cornerstone for what God wants to accomplish in our life. If we're willing to trust Him. To do His work in us. Because God loves us. He is for us. He is in control. And he has a plan. A plan for us. A plan for you. For me. For his church. But how do we align ourselves with his plan? That's the $64,000 question, right? What do we do to put ourselves in the center of God's plan? What can we learn from David? How can we see how he kept himself centered? How he prepared his heart for God to do his work? The first step David took toward realizing God's plan in his own life was to pray. That seems simple. David took every opportunity to talk to God about his situation, good and bad. David prayed. David prayed when he was doing things wrong. He prayed when he was doing things right. David prayed when he was, he was fearful, and David prayed when he was rejoicing. David prayed. We see David doing this in this, in, in this passage that we've looked at several times already in verse 5, out of my distress, what? I called upon the Lord. Or in verse 25 where he said, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. When you're going through hard times, difficult times, challenging times, you may be tempted to pray less. Because our mind's distracted. We're, we're on the challenges. We're on the difficulties. We need to pray more we need to pray more we need to spend more time with god try to center ourselves in him more and more we need to spend more time in his word god wants us to learn to trust him trust him and we cannot trust him if we're avoiding him you need to spend more time with god Talk to Him about your life, your frustrations, your joys, your fears. Also, God God wants whatever situation we're in to bring us closer to Him. And remember, there are no accidents with a sovereign God. You might say, well, but God doesn't understand. Yes, God understands. In fact, God may have you right where He wants you, right in the middle of that mess right in the middle of that situation. It may have been the only way he could kind of get through your head. I think that happens to me many times. I do some of the dumbest things. And I look back and I say, thank you, God. You got my attention. The first step to knowing God's plan for our life is to pray. You have to be close to God to know and trust where he is going. The second step, the second step to realizing God's plan in our life is to take every opportunity to say thank you, to have a grateful heart. Psalm 18 is a psalm of gratitude. You you see it in the very first verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Wow. You see it in verse 21. I thank you, Lord, that you you have... answered me, and have become my salvation. You see it in verse 28. You are my God, and I will give thanks to You. You are my God, I will extol You. You see it in the very last verse. Verse 29, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Giving thanks. It it focuses our heart and our mind on the reality of who we are And it helps us to realize that that everything around us is a gift from God. It really is. If God is sovereign, then nothing happens to you or me that He doesn't allow, that He doesn't purpose, even the bad things, even the good. It's part of His master plan to bring us into His presence, to shape us into His children. That the alternative, the alternative to all that is we try to center our gratitude upon ourselves. and that's where it often goes. We follow our own plan and we trust in other men or those princes that this psalm talks about in verse nine. And that attitude can create within us a sense of arrogance, a sense of independence. A sense of self-sufficiency where, where God is on the outside, not, not on the inside. And We call on Him as needed. <laughs> you know. Whenever we just can't go any further. Giving thanks keeps us centered on the true master of our life. And it is critical. If you want the rest to rest in the center of of God's presence, then know that He has a plan for your life. And He's actively participating in all the events of your life to draw you closer to Himself. And that's worthy of giving thanks and praise. David is, is telling us to guard our heart in every situation, to take every opportunity to say thank you to God, if we keep focused on Him and we keep praising and thanking Him and and keep centered in His presence and His work that's going on around us, no matter what it looks like, it's going to be a protection against falling out to the outside and seeking our answers there. Everything that comes your way, say thank you. Even if it's not as much as you thought you needed, say thank you. Even if it seems like only a, a, a partial provision, say thank you. Even if it means you have to wait a little while, say thank you. Say thank you. You Recognize that fact. That in every good thing that comes into your life, it's a gift from God. And say thank you for every one of them. James said it best, I think. In 17 he said, Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Amen. A third step in realizing God's plan in our life is, is to take every opportunity to do good. David said it in verse 19, Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them. Every time you or I do good, I used to like to say, God, God works, God things. Those good works that we were created for in Ephesians 2.10, every time we do one of those God works, we take a step through those gates of righteousness. Every time you obey God, you take a step through those gates. You become just a little bit more shaped into the image in which we were created into the image of of jesus every time you say no to a sinful desire and yes to a holy desire even you take a step through those gates i want to make it clear i'm I'm not just talking about giant steps of obedience you know, it's, this is not the, the invitation and you come forward in a worship and you give your life to Jesus or those kind of things. Those are big and those are great. Those are the big things. I'm talking about even the little things. Those baby steps of obedience. Like when you, you know, say something hurtful to your spouse and you, you wake up to it. You think about it you turn to say, I'm so thankful I married you. I'm so thankful we're together. I love you. It's a baby step. It's a baby step. But it's a big step. A big step. Or when you're at school, maybe. And you have the opportunity to ridicule or gossip or, or just sort of jump into the fray against someone else. Yeah. But you don't do that. You stop and you say, You know, I don't have anything to offer this conversation. It's a baby step. But it's a big step in in its own way. But it's a step through the gates where the godly enter. Every time you go through those gates, you're entering into His plan. You're focusing on His way and not your own. You're seeking to center your life in Him and not in the world that's around us. These are the gates through which the righteous enter. And they lead to the presence of God. And as you take steps through those gates, He takes steps toward us, toward you. Why? You know. Because He loves us. He loves us. And He has a plan for our life. And it's a good plan. God can take us through any situation. And through every situation. God can take that. Which has brought rejection. And failure. And defeat. And he can return it. He can return it into resounding victory. That's the example of Jesus. And you might say. Well I don't see how he can do that with me. <laughs> well. Probably you don't. It may not be obvious at this point. It may come completely by surprise out of of left field, so to say. When you least expect it. But be assured, the truth is that God has a plan for your life. And He will fulfill that plan. And here's how you get into the very center of it. You spend time with Him, right? You pray. Like a child spends time with a a parent. You talk to Him. You you read His words. You get to know Him a little bit. You keep focused on the true giver, on the true provider of what really is. That true giver of every good thing in your life. remembering to say thank you by having a, a heart of gratitude. You know, Paul taught it well, I think, in 1 Thessalonians when he said, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know why it's the will of God? We've just talked about it. You talk to Him. You read His Word. You pray. You give thanks to Him. Remembering He, and He alone, is sovereign. And finally, you take every opportunity to do good. You take every opportunity to to enter through those gates of righteousness, to obediently follow where God opens the way. and That puts you where you need to be. That puts you where God needs you to be in order to fulfill the plans that He has for your life. Right in the center of His presence. Focused on His heart. Empowered by His Spirit. Embraced by His love. Let us never forget. Never. Never that God is for us, that God is in control. Even when bad things happen, God is in control, and God has a plan for every detail of our life, as individuals and as a church. (laughs) Indeed, as as David, David said in verse 23, remember it verse 23 he said this is the lord's doing this is the lord's doing it is marvelous in our eyes